It's me. It's me. It's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James. And by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gunn. Together we are the New Age Outlaws. And you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, we've got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. Okay, guys. Let's play a little hockey. Finger. Hey everybody, take two. Hello everyone, welcome to Obey the Fuck. I have not started this over, this is the first attempt. Welcome everybody to the part two of our annual crossover between Gentlemen at Stadium Journey, and which is really, we just add Kelly to the mix. And uh, it's Obey the Fuck. And we have, we have two things. We're going to do the main event, which is what if... But first, we're going to talk about this last weekend's NHL festivities, where I had a great time. You can't find Kelly on social media, but follow Obey the Puck at Obey Puck Show. Paul's here, Puckman R.I. I am totally blanking. Mark is at Ballpark Hunter. Dave Cotney's here from ProFan9. And, of course, that Stadium Journey is the main social media account. Go to StadiumJourney.com to listen to all of our podcasts there. Or go to YouTube, search Stadium Journey, and watch the replays of them there. And if you're not watching live, twitch.tv slash Daniel83 every other Tuesday. Okay, so there's a lot of mixed feelings in this room. Mixed feelings that you guys already know how to feel. Let's just talk about it. Let's get out of the way because apparently I'm in the minority of how this weekend's festivities went. And I'm not talking about the game. Carter Hart was terrible. The Flyers were terrible. Flyers are down six guys on the COVID list. There's seven Phantoms that are out. I think there's only five still on the injured list. The the, the Flyer system was depleted going into this weekend, so I already penciled it in as a loss. Not that bad, but it was a lot. I penciled it in. The only thing that wasn't lost on the Flyers was Gritty stole the show. Did you guys see the one shot of the uh, the middle of the game, the NHL posted a video with the song, Always Feel Like Someone's Watching Me? Did you guys see that? And it's Is that the one from the night game where they pan from the yes, Zamboni? The camera pans, the the, yeah, there's a Zamboni in the ring, and the camera pans up, and it zooms into a tree, and all you see is gritty and blades behind a tree going, and hiding behind the tree. It was so, 
But anyway, we're going to start with uh, the stadium journey, folks. Like I said, it's really – we just added two guys to the show this week. Uh, Dave, I'll go to you first because I know, you know, you live in the land of outside hockey. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> That's what I'm told. Um, you know, I I I thought – I thought the weekend was unfortunate. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm an Avalanche fan, and you know, being a fan of a, a Western team in an Eastern time zone is not the easiest path. Um, so I very rarely get to watch the Avalanche. So I was excited to watch them on Saturday because it was at three Eastern uh, against Vegas. Um, so the first period came on and. You know, I, I hadn't really thought about it. Uh, to me, the, the outdoor game is fine. It, it kind of lost its luster, I guess. It wasn't all that exciting. Uh, playing anything in a baseball stadium other than baseball, to me, is not great. Uh, but I thought with COVID and with no fans uh, as, a, as a possibility, I thought, I thought the setting was amazing. Um, like those shots with the lake and the mountains in the background, and uh, it, you know, it just a strange, strange thing. Like it was below freezing, uh, but with the sun out, you know, the the ice was, you know, suspect. And then, unfortunately, they got through the first period. I didn't stay up till midnight to watch, um, but but those visuals were were really cool. I give them credit for trying to do something in what is an otherwise kind of blah year where everything special is being um, thrown by the wayside. No all-star game, you know, the the TV experience is, is very different than it has been in the past. And, you know, I just thought it was, I thought it was unfortunate. Mark? Second. Okay, I was trying to log into Twitch. I don't know how to do that. So, <laughs> uh, what did I take? I think I love the scenery. I have never been to Tahoe. I've heard about it, and this was probably one of the first times I saw the majestic beauties of the snow-capped mountains in the background. It was scenic. It was gorgeous. It was really just a nice aesthetic to watch. It was beautiful. It just happened to uh, be an unfortunate day uh, where the ice melted. And <laughs> you don't want that to happen with your outdoor games. Hey, you never they, tried skating on yogurt before? No, never, never. <laughs> but it, it just it was so beautiful to see that. I think the only thing would have been better if they played it on a pond yeah. with that scenery. It, it was really gorgeous. And I think if you were not a hockey fan or if you just had a passing fancy, uh, you'd probably stop and watch a little bit of it just because of that that uh, natural scenery. I loved it. I, I wish they could do more of these games, obviously in colder temperatures. And I'm sure there's places up in Canada or you know somewhere in the Dakotas or Utah where you can do this and have that type of scenery in the background. Uh, I'm a sucker for sceneries at ballparks. You don't really get to see them with a hockey game, let alone NHL. So. This was really, really fun to watch, really pleasing on the eyes. And I just wish it could have been a lot better. I wish I didn't have to stop and play later on that night. There's, there's some bubbling about possibly playing uh, at Lake Louise in Alberta. Yeah, um, but 
you know, I think that's just people talking at this point. There was, was a lot. There was a lot of people as the game was going on, as the cancellation was happening, going, you know, we've got spots here. <laughs> I was looking for like the Corleone family in their compound, but I I didn't see it. At one point, my friend Dean and I, uh, Dean, who started the original HIC podcast network with me, uh, there was a there was a part where I was you know tweeting about it. Uh, uh, no surprise, I was disappointed. We'll talk about that in a second. But he tweeted a picture or something, and I just replied with the shot of Fredo on the lake right before he gets shot. <laughs> uh, Mr. Baker, I'm sure you have a glorified view of everything since your team just annihilated us. Well, yeah, there's nothing to complain about as far as the game's concerned. <laughs> that's for sure. Damn it. Uh, yeah, and I just had me some pasta in honor of the hat trick. Um, I absolutely loved it, uh, especially in this crazy season where there's been no fans allowed to have just this, this kind of this timeout, this little vacation, this long weekend in the middle of the season, yeah. and and this unexpected location. And and if you listen to Obey the Puck regularly, you know when they announced this game, I was against it. Yeah, I was we like, all were. Why, why are you taking two teams from the East Coast and trucking them out to California during a pandemic? Doesn't make any sense to me. But I, the the visuals were just so stunning, um, and it was it was like you know for the guys on the team, the Bruins. I don't know if you guys saw this, but the Bruins all showed up wearing '90s gear. Yeah. So they were all wearing like Zubaz and all. Uh, yeah. Did you have a good time? The Bruins have a good time, Paul. Yeah. One guy kind of looked like one of those drink cups that you get in the movie theater. <laughs> um. But I, I really thought it was nice. It's, and, of course, this being the NHL, they can't do anything smoothly. It did not go off without a hitch. Um, part, I read actually somewhere that this was kind of – they were their hands were tied as far as timing by the network. NBC wanted the mid-afternoon slots, so they tried to make it work. It didn't work out. If they had planned it right and played both games at, like, 8 o'clock Eastern time, would have been wonderful, and you wouldn't have had – the, the part that they got ridiculed for. But overall, I really enjoyed it. And I, you know, having been to three outdoor games myself, I thought it was so much better in the wilderness without fans than it was in any baseball or football yeah. stadium. That, yeah, and, I agree. And my mind instantly went, all right, where else can we have these games? Like on the Washington Mall. How great would that be? Like with the Capitol on one side and the Washington Monument? Oh, yeah, the, that would work out great. Or uh, Rockefeller Center or, you know, all these weird places you could – on an aircraft carrier – all these different places you could, you know, build a rink in. That'd be nuts, dude. Yeah. In San Diego. If you hit some, hit some waves. <laughs> um, I, but I can see this going on. It was, I thought it was great. I, I just, I thought it was funny that even with everything you just said and being away from it for a couple of days, it's just astounding to me that <laughs> it looked the way it did. Like, first of all, listen, it looked great. Looked great. That aside, it didn't look so great when they were scrambling for an hour trying to figure stuff out on national television. It looked terrible. And let me be clear. I'm angry. I want so much for hockey to be more popular because it's still with my friends except for the hardcore few of them. I sounded – I don't know what that accent was, but I meant to say hardcore few of them. It's still a joke. To talk about it was like talking about wrestling when I was a little kid, and uh, the yeah I can't repeat what you know you're you like that okay 
it's anytime I bring it up, I'm like, well, nobody watches that. It's like I just wanted, I just wanted this to look good. And the first hour, it was like, I don't know. <laughs> Do you know? I don't know. Uh, so I, the anger came from was, I just wanted this to look great and go off without a hitch. And being that it was the NHL, of course, it was never going to do that. Um, I was also extremely concerned. I, I, again, noticed people after, like, the first couple plays, people were tripping and falling down. I'm like, man, if they don't get out of this with an injury, <laughs> it's going to be bad. I haven't heard anything. I think everybody's okay. Um, the views were kind of bad at the beginning. The timing of the first game was bad. Period. Sunlight, I know it's a network thing. I get why they had to do it. It was dumb to not try to have that at night after the sun started going down behind the mountains. It, there was shadows. It looked, it looked bad. The, 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 the views looked great. But after about a half an hour, I was like, yeah, the views look great. Because the game looks like crap. But once the sun was down, it was beautiful. I even liked the night game. It just looked so cool in the dark. Just that the fact that you had the lake there, that looked great. And I love the Flyers and Bruins jerseys, but dang, those Nordic jerseys look so good, man. <laughs> uh, Kelly, the weekend in your in your mind. Oh, you know, NHL gonna NHL basically. <laughs> it's just it's just a bad look for a quote unquote you know top tier league. Um, you know, you knew what the situation was. The NBA apparently NBC's forcing you into this this two p.m. time slot. You you need to have a, a backup plan, or you need to know what what happens when something goes wrong. Um, because I, we turned it on, or Dan had it on, and then I, I came back into the house, and and it was they were going into the, into the um, you know the tap dancing they were doing while they were deciding what was going to be done, and they just kept going on and on, and I was like, oh man, it just doesn't look professional. That, that was my takeaway from it, and it, it like you guys, it you know visually and all that stuff, it was spectacular. It looked beautiful, but my takeaway from it is like, wow, that's just really, really podunk. And listen, I know that they're going to keep doing the outdoor games in stadiums because it is about the money. As much as I hate I, every conversation that comes down to money, and I'm just at 37, I'm so tired of it, but I know that's how the league, those, this league especially needs that. But I agree with Paul. I think they do one stadium game a year, and then they do start having games at these unconventional places without the direct sunlight at least once a year because it did look good when it worked. The Flyers-Bruins game, minus the score, went off great. I mean, except for it started 20 minutes late, like I said. But it should have started 40 minutes late because, man, like you said, those shadows were brutal in the first period. <laughs> oh, my God. It looks so bad. Like, uh, I'm sure it, it the team – I know the cameras, like, in, emphasize that. So I'm sure to the players it wasn't a thing. Well, I don't know. That one called Carter Hart went by. I was like, hey, it's got to be the sun, right? <laughs> he, was on, he didn't have the sun in his eyes. He was on the other end. What yeah, well, I, <laughs> shut, shut, Paul, hey. 
He was distracted by Gritty running around. Yeah, yes, yeah, so that's what it was. <laughs> no, I'm just – on TV, you remember last week on the Stadium Journey episode of this, Dave and I were talking about seeing the puck and how it wasn't a problem. Dave's like, you know where the puck's going to be. Guess who couldn't follow the puck the first period? <laughs> <laughs> this guy. I was like, I, 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 I'm out. I have a beautiful 4K, big, huge television. <laughs> couldn't see it. I didn't know what was going on. But uh, uh, I do think as far as the network timing, we all know in December that the NBC Sports Network is no longer effective. And I know the NHL doesn't have a lot of leverage <laughs> as far as they're going to need a network badly. But I'm really hoping if they accept this again, they can be like, can we start it at night, please? Pretty please. Fox, ABC, pretty please. We'll talk about that on another episode, by the way, because I don't think they're going to go to anybody but one of the conventional networks. But that's a, that's good, another discussion for another time. Does anybody have any closing thoughts on the outdoor games? Go ahead, Mark. I, I'd like – I love the Bruins in yellow. I love that look. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I think it's a nice look. Just saying, Paul. I came around on it when I when they yeah. were playing. Uh, what did I what did I uh, message you, Dan? I said, "What is this like blades of steel?" We had orange yeah. and yellow. <laughs> I forgot to grab it. I wanted to show you. By the way, I don't have the Nintendo hockey game. I thought we had it. I think we sold it, but I still have blades of steel. Yeah. And it is. It's red. Are it's it, the teams match the colors of the very few cities they have in the game, but it's right. it's the Philadelphia. <laughs> Yeah, or j- just the way the, the the jerseys designed. I always liked Bruins jerseys for the most part. I always felt the Bruins always did a nice job. Not so job, much a fan of the team wearing them. I, you know, like I love that '70s look. I, I like when you know they they introduce kind of like a throwback style, but not really. Nah, I, I didn't like all the jerseys Boston had, but yeah, I like I like that simple yellow. Looks good. Maybe it just look good. You know, we talk about the black and gold teams, uh, like Marsh talked about right now. Pittsburgh, predominantly black, was good. Uh, uh, um, uh, Vegas, predominantly black, looks fine. Their gold jersey is kind of bright. I think the Bruins should go with the predominantly gold. That's just me. No, they can go gold at home, black on the road, right? <laughs> like Vancouver, you know what? I would be in Vancouver favor of that. Yellow, used to do that. Yellow is the gold is so much better than the white. It's such yeah. a good looking jersey. That's yeah, true. Vancouver used to have the yellow jerseys at home, right? Yeah. Way back uh, in the day. The plunging back V? Back the it, it, we don't no, after. Well, I think that too, but after the V. I, think I, did, even, I do think they had an electric skate year where it was yellow. Yeah. I could be wrong. They did. You're right. Let's look it up. I, that just got confirmed. Is Kelly yelling at me? No. No, that means it existed. <laughs> well, we've got to the main event already. This I've been wait. Dan actually played. Dan, I'm talking to the third person. The Rock says, I usually, I like the conversational, like a light format. I like the, not morning show. I want a natural conversation. Oh, so I plan for it. No, like, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. The um, opposite of when Dave plans an episode. Yes, the opposite <laughs> of when Dave plans an episode because... <laughs> And it shows because those shows usually uh, have a beginning, middle, end. Uh, so <laughs> this time, I planned ahead. And I don't I don't. – it was like as we were on the air, somebody said something. And I said, what ifs? We're doing what ifs this week. And this week, please, NHL, don't go to Flow Sports. No, oh, yeah, let me keep on, keep, 
uh, track of the chat real quick. Uh, Gregory Koch says, Monty Burns voice. I call this enemy the sun. Um, some guy named That's Walker. all I needed was the sun blocker. Yeah. yeah and needed. what happened to Mr. Burns after that, huh? <laughs> You got he was shot on. by a baby. I was going to say, Kelly, could you tell me what happened to Mr. Burns after that? Uh, okay, so we're going to do hockey what ifs. I know I marked it as the NHL what ifs, but it doesn't matter at this point. Oh, okay. So I think we'll start with the stadium journey boys and work our way up seniority-wise, and I mean in life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, Mark, you're on the bottom. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding about seniority. no. Uh, That's That's let's start. No, no, I was kidding. I want to start with Dave because Dave's is, uh, is, I, I, I need He's to know what Dave's is right now. Okay. So, um, maybe Paul is the only one that's really going to be able to comment on this, uh, because he's the senior, he's the senior crew here. So back we're going back. Kid, we didn't have ice. <laughs> we're going back to 1979. Okay. 1979. <laughs> so in 1979 on his 18th birthday, Wayne Gretzky signed a personal services contract. I was going to say, I wasn't 18 to 79. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne Gretzky signed a personal services contract with Peter Pocklington, who's the owner of the WHA Edmonton Oilers. After that, uh, so for the 79-80 season, the WHA folded and four teams moved into the NHL. Oh, no. Because Wayne Gretzky was 18, as with many other players, he was supposed to go into the entry draft. But because he had signed a personal services contract, he didn't and was able to stay with the Oilers. So my what if is, what if Wayne Gretzky had not signed the personal services contract with the Oilers? Colorado, right? Who had the number one pick? The Colorado Rockies picked <laughs> Rob Ramage number one. Yeah, uh, there's a little bit of a difference there. Yeah, and, and in fact, the Oilers picked last because of that. The three other WHA teams picked ahead of them in the draft. But Edmonton, I'll pick them based on uh, the draft. The yes. MCA? They, they, had to, they had to do a little bit of a negotiation. So yeah. all the WHA teams were at the bottom. And... Uh, because it became a bit of a thing with the NHL and with Pocklington, so he agreed to go last. Mm-hmm. Now, the Oilers actually picked a Hall of Famer at number 21. They picked Kevin Lowe. Oh, jeez. Yeah. They, they picked uh, Mark Messier nice in the third round? In the third round. Wow, Messier was a third rounder. Yeah, they they did better than Hartford. I mean, Hartford whiffed. <laughs> they did better than Hartford. It's just <laughs> they, the on those, I'm just thinking, if you're picking last, <laughs> what are the chances of you getting uh, three Hall of Famers? If not, they probably had more in that draft, correct? Or was it three? Like total or the yeah. Oilers? The Oilers in that draft. Like that I mean, year it's was just those three. Just, I mean, that's huge for any team to pick three Hall of Famers. No, I'll answer this. The Oilers won one without Gretzky anyway, right? Yes, 1980. Yeah. So they get it. We just cut to the chase to say they eventually they get one? Question mark? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, what happens to the team who gets Gretzky? The Colorado Rockies. 
They moved to they, New Jersey. They and end up, uh, devil is what happened. They don't. They don't end up in Jersey. Uh, they stay in Colorado. Well, would it be, Would the people of Denver have the right sense to support that team that year? Because they would. Years? They would have won. So they. Well, the Colorado franchise was so inept at the time. That's a <laughs> big, big part of. Big part and of it, what happened. And, and who was their coach the last year? <laughs> was it? Who was, wasn't it? I don't know what the if it, it's the right year, but can you imagine Wayne Gretzky playing for Don Cherry? Playing for Don Cherry, that's right. I'm the coach here. Oh my goodness! What would what would Don Cherry have done with Wayne Gretzky? <laughs> I would have found a way to lose the Stanley Cup. No, well, the, you know uh, it's uh, Cherry was good with skilled players. I mean, look, he turned Rick Middleton's career around from from a bust in New York to a. You know, a borderline Hall of Famer in Boston. Uh, you know, he coached John Rattel. Uh, yeah, he was lunch pail AC, but he could coach the skill too. I think, and Cherry is smart enough to say, eh, I'm not kind of mess with this guy. So, <laughs> you think? <laughs> uh, that was that was Cherry's first year at 79-80. Yes. So I'm going to go out on a limb that Gretzky being in Colorado not cha- changes the Devils. Don't the Devils don't come in. Chances are they don't. If they so start winning in Denver, exist. no, probably not. They probably they don't. They it. don't put a team in New Jersey. No, because no, well, McMullen when he moved the team there to begin with said, "My God, this might have been a mistake." Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, well, I, I don't. And Gretzky called them a Mickey Mouse organization. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were. Well, he might have played for them, well. and they called <laughs> in the reality. I, I think the Gretzky factor in Colorado changes hockey because I think the, not only do the Rockies stay, Kelly, I'd like your input on this, not only do the Rockies stay, but he helps attract other talent. And I think the Rockies are in the history books of the Stanley Cup champions. And they don't, they don't save the Kings in the 90s because Bruce McDowell doesn't trade him to L.A. They moved to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, Kelly, you got the input after Dave? Uh, well, I would I would question Gretzky attracting talent. And just because it's, uh, it's like 1979, 1980, you know, so the only way he's attracting people is is through trades, right, just because of, of how free agency is working at that time. The old boy um, network in charge, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I mean, they didn't have the reserve clause, but it was pretty damn Words close. Eagleson and uh... – Yeah. Who was the other guy? Where were the Cubs? Oh, for the Jets. Now you got me. Hold on. Yeah, so we're going to have to look that up. <laughs> Get the type of... uh, yeah. Kelly, you have any thoughts on the Colorado Rockies? Hedberg? Is it Hedberg? With Gretzky? Wolf no. Nelson and Hedberg? No, they were not the commissioner of the NHL. Oh, the commissioner. Oh, oh, Ziegler, wasn't it? Ziegler. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the European influence of the WHA. Okay. All right. Kelly, you got any input on this what if? That would have been pretty cool. I would have been I would have happily not had Jersey until much later, but uh Yeah. I I I still hate Jersey for the traps though. <laughs> if they never exist, I'm very happy. Yeah, Mark, Mark, just so you think that Kelly and I hate Jersey for the same reason, it's not. It's a completely separate reason. That's fine. I hate Jersey for simply existing. And she hates it for the trap. <laughs> the trap. Good clear on that. 
Yeah, well, that's gone now, so. Yeah, well, the trapezoid's still here, so thanks for that. I'm going to blame you for the trapezoid until okay. they finally get rid of it. No tinted visors. No tinted visors. That's also Brodeur. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, Brodeur's gone. Can we just get rid of that and bring those two back? Why can't you hate the Rangers? You know, that, that's a team you should I hate the Rangers. I hate New Jersey more. They're closer. <laughs> So that's fine. So let's the final consensus. Kelly, does with Gretzky, does it change history enough to where the Colorado Rockies are still a team twenty years later? I would hope so. Is um I don't know anything about uh, the NFL at that point. Is is Denver any good in those days? Well, yes. Denver, yeah, Denver, Denver was Denver was in Super Bowl twelve. Oh, okay. and lost. So that's seventy eight. Seventy eight. Uh, they didn't have baseball yet, which ironically is named the Colorado Rockies, so that's probably a different name. Yeah, that, that's yeah, not actually. the Rockies. They're not the Rockies. <laughs> that, right Fair during that time, they had uh, there was an oil guy in Denver who was who was kicking the tires on the on the Oakland A's, and they basically had a deal. They would have got the Oakland A's at that yeah. point, but um, it, there was a convoluted deal that the, the lease for the Coliseum was pretty ironclad, but they were trying to negotiate with the mayor of San Francisco and the mayor of Oakland and the owner of the Giants and all of this kind of stuff. So right at that time, you know, they could have had baseball. Yeah, well, yeah, Finley was trying to move that Oakland A's and Kansas City A's team everywhere, so. Yeah, higher yeah, they, But that is true. That was close that they almost went to. I mean, Denver was that one city everybody flirted with. Uh, to move up until they got the Rockies. But, yeah, they, you know, you think about it, the Rockies, let's say they don't move. Let's say Gretzky becomes, saves hockey the same way Peyton Manning saves football here in Indianapolis. Maybe there's a statue outside of them at the Pepsi College, uh, whatever it's called now, Pepsi Center. Is it still called the Pepsi Center? Or is that the no, it's, it's something else now. It's Ball yeah, Arena. The, the, oh, ball, yeah. there you go, the Ball Arena. The LeVar Ball Arena. <laughs> so you have that. Maybe uh, hockey – Fever comes obviously comes to Denver much sooner. Quebec probably moves, but probably that was not my to question. Where 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 did the Nordiques end up? Maybe maybe Charlotte or Carolina. Phoenix. Maybe maybe, maybe it's a maybe it's a clean sweep and all four WHA teams move. Let me let's throw a, a monkey into the ranch here. Gregory Koch in uh, the chat says if the Rockies stays in Colorado, do the Nordiques stay in Quebec or do they move to New Jersey instead? Oh, no. I don't think they go to New Jersey. I, I say Phoenix. I would say Phoenix or Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah, because at the time they were going south. Yeah. Because at the time of Colorado moving, the Devils were threatening to move to Nashville. Yeah, Maybe they moved right. to Nashville, Quebec. Maybe they're the team that goes there. Wow. So many things. So well, what if? Changes everything. Wow. This is. Wow, I just didn't think it, uh, we'd go this deep into something. This is awesome. Absol- are you kidding? This is you what guys, I was hoping for. Now Mine's you guys quick. have got to step up and come up with a what-if as good as that one. Well, I <laughs> I had something very similar. I may have to change it. So I had, had a couple, so. Well, we're yeah, only my, doing one, 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 one Mark. One similar as well, so. Well. We're only doing one, Mark. Well, I was going to pick one, but it's very – almost it's – in the same vein as Dave, so I want to do something. Okay, well, uh, well, it's your turn. Do you, do you so need a moment? Do you need a moment? Because we go to Paul. Uh, Paul. Yeah, go, yeah, yeah, yeah go let's to go to Paul. Paul Baker, what is your what if? 
right, D- Dave's, <laughs> Dave's issue uh, made me change mine because my original thought was going to be – No, my original, I'm going to tell you what my original was. I was going back into expansion franchises, and my question was, what if Washington and Kansas City didn't suck so bad in 74? <laughs> no, you don't have the Devils. There you go. No, well, no, also <laughs> – I'm just kidding. Because there was a, there was a scheduled expansion in 76. They Denver were going to put a Seattle. team in Denver and Seattle, Seattle in yes. 76. The Denver Spurs and the Seattle Totem. They canceled it because yes. Kansas City was bouncing around the league and Washington was winning three games a year. But I'm not going to go with that. <laughs> Basically, all our what-ifs just want to remove the devils from history. It, yeah, it <laughs> seems to be that way. All right. Anyway, here, here is my what-if. I'm going to go back to 1992, not as far back as Dave. Oh, thank God. A rule was passed in 1992 that is credited with both cleaning up professional hockey, the NHL, and ruining the game. <laughs> At the same time, I'm talking about the instigator rule. What if the instigator rule was never passed? Would hockey look the same way it does now? I'll go first. Yes, hockey would. No, hockey would look the same as it did then because the instigator rule is the first of many rules that changes where you can't fight anymore to the point where 20. How many years is that? Too long ago. Later. Uh, <laughs> The referees are ready to jump in when somebody sneezes on the other person with their fist up. Listen, for those who don't know before, I'm an advocate for fighting. The head head stuff, absolutely for and support and uh, activist on the head hunting and protecting the player's head. I think in a fight, it's a slightly different situation. I'm all for fighting in hockey. Without that instigator rule, it completely changes the trajectory of fights in hockey. However, I just think you're delaying the inevitable with this league as far as fighting. Uh, I agree with you. I think we would still be where we are, different different timeline in between. So what would be different in between 92 and 2021? Uh, I- <laughs> I, oh man, I don't even, I think the instigator rule, who did Claude Lemieux hit in the, in the, uh, uh, on Chris the, Draper? Was it Draper who he nailed? I think it yeah. starts there in 96. 96? 97? Somewhere, what was that? Somewhere in there. Somewhere in there, yeah. Um, I think in 96, right? That's no, it was, didn't he hit Draper when he was with the Devils still? No. No, that was really that. No, when uh, when Lemieux was with the Devils. No, it was 94, 95. No, he was with the Red Wings. No, it was 96. Okay. The good years for Claude. No, no, no. Draper was with the Red Wings. The good years for Lemieux. Avalanche, I'm sorry. Okay. Avalanche. Um, No, it was Avalanche in Detroit. I only said that because I just watched it. Yeah, it was 96 playoffs. Okay. So I would say, I would say that. Uh, yeah. The instigator rule has slowed down where we are now. Uh, like I think we it would have accelerated everything if they hadn't had it, uh, because oh, wow. I think I think the Derek Bugard situation, um, oh, yeah, and a couple other guys, it would have been worse. And uh, you mean because they would have fought more? Yeah, they. I think they would have fought more, and you would have had. More like the concussion situation would have been more in the forefront um, for those guys who nobody ever thought of. Instead of them trying to cover it away. Yeah. So 
we we had the we had concussion issues with guys like uh, with guys like uh, Paul Correa, with uh, with Lindros, with both Lindroses, um, but they were not they were not in fighting situations. But I think when it's you know a big strong tough guy whose job it is to fight, and you know he was in that situation that. Uh, that we've seen in so many other football players. Like I think, I think the instigator rule really slowed down the. I don't know if you want to call it progress to to remove fighting from the game or not. Certainly it progressed. Kelly, instigator rule thoughts. Um, I, I can see both sides of it. I'll take I'll take the kind of the opposite side to what I I feel. Um, I don't think it changes that much in that, um, well, hockey, but I guess all sports, they follow the trend, right? So who wins? And once again, we wind up at the, with the Devils in 94. That team proves a system can win in the NHL. You don't need a superstar. You just need a team that plays a system and, well, you know, a Hall of Fame goaltender but <laughs> but that that in my mind the devils really did change modern nhl hockey that there was all of a sudden a, there was a path to success for a lot of these teams that didn't have generational talent even superstar level talent um and those teams i think pretty quickly they didn't have goons on them. Like there just there wasn't there wasn't space for that. It was more important that they had a extra defenseman or an extra winger, whatever the case may be, for their you know a team by team basis. So I I think the the case can be be made for that that the instigator role um, certainly it changed things for hockey, but overall in in the NHL that it didn't change very much. Management was still going to go after uh, trying to copy whoever had success last, and and the the trend in in the the nineties mid nineties especially was was very much team play and and team defense and a coach with a system. Wow, I, the goon thing. Who who's on the ninety four, ninety five Devils? They had some guys you have, back then. You have Danico, you have Stevens. Well, we wouldn't call them goons. No, they're not goons. They, had, I don't, they, they weren't just they were guys that fought. They had, Meyer, they, just had, they just had Hall of Fame defensive players. I mean, not Danico, but Danico was pretty damn good. Uh, they had goon, did, the, did the Devils have a goon? I don't know. No, that's what I'm yeah, saying. No, I was, I was just saying they were, they were hard-hitting, skilled yeah. players. I, I that's mean, what I was saying. I was, yeah, I was like Scott Stevens is many things, but he, uh, he's a great defenseman. <laughs> in ninety four in ninety four ninety five they had Claude Lemieux. Yeah. Well yeah. is he goony enough? I for said you, goon, or? not useless. Goons are not. I mean Claude Lemieux just scored like a wild man in those playoffs. Like, nobody saw that coming. Yeah, not he didn't either. No one else on that team was gonna <laughs> <laughs> Brodor could do that too. <laughs> well he has <laughs> That's a very that's a very good, Paul. Uh, uh, man, I, I I have to say I'll retract what I said and kind of 100 percent agree with Dave. I I don't I don't think it changes. I think it does change the timeline, but more of what Dave said. That's it. That was like, the opposite answer of what I was expecting. 
but where, where it goes, what, what do you think I'd say? No, no, not just the oh, discussion in general. In general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think once you get to those, once you get to the mental illness and the suicides, it's a full stop, right? And you don't have that. We've covered it on this show many times. Where And I don't know why I didn't get more national attention where those emails were passed around and things were kind of swept under the rug. Where if that instigator rule and the, you know, the start of this whole thing doesn't happen before those incidences, it's more wide open. Where they're talking about it now in the NFL where only people are talking about it on Twitter as far as the NHL had trying. I don't see it a lot anymore. I don't know how it's covered in Canada. I don't see it covered a lot in the States anymore. It was kind of forgotten. That's yeah, just my perception. Of it. It's pretty quiet. Um, it's all protocols now, like in the NFL too, right? <laughs> yeah. Are they following? If, if somebody comes out, what they think, you know, if Sidney Crosby gets his bell rung, quote unquote, and then comes out in the second period, you know, the big question isn't, well, the question isn't about the hit or whatever happened to Crosby. It's, well, should, did he really pass the the concussion protocols, right? Which is, we know is happening a lot. Not a lot. We know it's happening. Where it's like, yeah, they passed. Uh, let, let's add another hey, thing. And, to- and the devils of that era, just to close that loop, um, they had guys like Randy McKay, 150 penalty minutes per year. Um, Mike Peluso, and that yeah, that, I mean, like you said, Danico and Stevens and Bill Guerin and guys like that all ended up with over 100 themselves. So they kind of had you know tough by committee. They didn't really have goon. Danico, hell of a hell of a commentator. Um, let, let me add to this, uh, Gregory Koch. I was Please. muted, but I was laughing at that. <laughs> I know, I did that for you. Thank you. We talk about him all the time, and, I'm, uh, and I'll say something about his commentary. Kel's like, you go tell him. I'm like, I'm not telling him nothing. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, Gregory Koch says, uh, if there's no instigated rule, do we eventually see someone get seriously injured and they ban fighting altogether? Yeah, I can see that happen. Well, I, listen, it's pretty it did. much. It didn't do anything. <laughs> What's his face trying to kill a, a, the avalanche? What is it with the avalanche? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, the guy who punched him in the head after what's his face sent him out there. Oh, that was uh, that was the Canucks. That was uh, Todd Bertuzzi. Oh, Bertuzzi. Oh, it was Bertuzzi. Yeah, yeah. there was yeah. that, but there was the the Avalanche, and I can't think. Oh, of the Steve Moore. Yes, yes, Steve Moore. Yes. Yeah, Steve Moore was the Avalanche guy. He was the punch. E. He was the punch. Yeah, he he was the one that got hit in the head. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I was trying to think of the name of the the guy. Who Steve Moore. Punched. Yeah. Now he hit. He put a, a, a shellacking on uh, Marcus Naslin, which was sort of the impetus for the for the whole right. thing. Yeah. But. I, I, I listen. Uh, if you're gonna police fighting in hockey, back off a bit. If two guys decide to sh- drop their gloves and go, let them go. Getting in the middle gets somebody hurt more than letting them go and ending the fight one way or the other. Uh, if somebody doesn't drop their gloves, and somebody, then get involved. I can't – nobody's going to tell me, miss me with the 
well, that that can't be my – I see it happen. If somebody doesn't drop a glove, unless you're Ray Emery and that referee, that piece of crap. What's his name? The referee that did, let Holpe get a beat down for no damn reason? Unmute Kelly. I, I don't know. It's a really, really French. Yeah, it's, I forgot his name. <laughs> he's, I think he's, he's pretty well disliked amongst a lot but of people. The other referee steps in and goes, do your goddamn job. But, yeah, I, getting involved in the middle of the fight gets more people tangled. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to explain it. If you see two guys that are like, yes, we're fighting, and we're off to the race. Except that uh, in, in sports – in, in hockey and in, in football, you know, we have this mentality where we have to protect players from themselves. That's why yeah. we have that's why we have concussion protocols, because all those guys want to come back out. Well, good. Right? Tough, t- tough crap. I almost said a bad word. Uh, tough crap. If you get into a fight and you get knocked silly, you're sitting until we say you're okay. If you want to fight, but you also sign a contract where the, where the protocols evolve, I don't make the rules. I'm just trying to help you figure it out because the NHL is trying to figure it out, and they keep changing things every time. It's just a big puzzle piece that everybody keeps missing puzzles and then replacing it with another piece that doesn't really fit in that spot, and they put that other piece. You know. Well, isn't it, too, that your um, younger guys coming up aren't having, like, that fighting experience? No, they have no idea. I forgot. I watched the fight the other night. I'm not – please understand the way I'm saying this. I could have had a better fight because the two guys didn't know how to swing at each other. It looked like a bit. Oh, it was Shen. It was Luke Shen and somebody. I don't remember. The other dude was fine. Luke Shen has never been trained out of fight. It doesn't look like it. Well, junior in junior now, it's it's almost – in junior in Canada anyway, it's almost non-existent. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? How do you, how do you convince a – a parent that you're going to take their 16 or 17 year old kid and just you don't let them be a punching bag, right? You don't. Um, college hockey fighting has never been a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows. So yeah, I mean, I, I just got through Ken Reed's book on guys who have scored one goal in the NHL, and so of course there's a lot of a lot of fighters in that, and uh, you know there were guys that were talking about you know they went to the AHL. And and worked with John Brophy, and after practice, like he was forty five minutes on the heavy bag and the speed bag, right? Like he was teaching boxing, but you know that doesn't happen anymore. I can see if you want to teach boxing, you get away with it in the states. If you want to teach the boxing classes, some training classes, I think. Um, what's that video I saw the other day of the Russian kids in that um, hockey fighting class? where it's just a quick video of them teaching them how to stand, how to grab, and how to swing. And uh, the caption underneath it, this class was invented after Alexander Semin played bongo drums. Does everybody remember that? <laughs> Talk about a guy who doesn't know how to fight. I don't know what game it was against, who it was against, but it was retaliatory. Like, he got hit, got up, started fighting, and he just went like that to the guy's back. <laughs> All right, we're not doing that anymore. Instigator, very good, Paul. Not a what-if that I expected. And this one I'm just as curious about. Mr. Devil's fan, it is your turn. I've given you enough time. You're on the All floor. Right. Well, I was initially going to talk what if the WHA didn't exist, but I think we know what would have happened. We would not have the Devils. Uh, Wayne Gretzky would be playing for Colorado. 
Boston would have a Stanley Cup or two. Derek Sanderson stays. Derek <laughs> Sanderson, Jerry Cheevers, uh, Jerry Brian Cheevers. McKenzie. Yeah, yeah that, the WHA ripped the core out of that. Does yeah. Cody Howe ever skate again? Yeah, does Cody Howe play till he's 54? No. I don't think so. There's no, there's no Hartford. There's no Winnipeg. Yeah. No I, I mean, how dare they? The, the NHL would be a much – there could be Edmonton. There could be Calgary. I don't think Winnipeg. You're right. Until I don't think Edmonton. Later. I, that's the thing. It's a, it's a good topic. Uh, do we want to stick with it? Okay, well, let, let's, let's stay there. I was going to go with the Great Depression, knocking out a bunch of teams in Ottawa, Hamilton, and Pittsburgh, but nah, perhaps like the WHA thing, man. Perhaps is the one. You know what's funny, Mark? One of my ones I was about to run is what if the WHA survived? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be well, the AHL. I, I think those leagues of that time, the ABA, AFL, all wanted to merge eventually. That was their goal. You know, kind of like Donald Trump wanted to be an NFL owner, so he bought a USFL. I wanted to be a lot of things. Yeah, so I think a lot of those guys wanted uh, wanted to eventually merge, and they just put teams everywhere that really weren't successful. I mean, uh, you know, it rose uh, salaries, reserve clause. I mean, all of a sudden now Boston is having to pay their superstars what they probably should have been paid, and now they're jumping over to – the Chicago Cougars and the Philadelphia Blazers playing in front of meager crowds. And I think the Philadelphia Blazers couldn't play their first game because the Zamboni crashed into the ice. Which so, is, you yeah. know, it's Pacific Center. you got to be real delicate so, in that building. So, anyway. I mean, yeah, if the, you know, and if the NHL didn't have that threat, you don't go into Atlanta. You might not put a team on the in Long Island. So uh, that's a good point. A lot of the a lot of the expansion of that time was yeah. in response to the WHA. Yeah. So I, there goes your Stanley Cup dynasty in Long Island. Hold on. Wait a minute. I think expansion still happens. I just don't think it happens yes. quickly. Yeah. I don't think, I think the Atlanta was, still happens. I don't think the Atlanta Flames happen. I think Atlanta probably does happen. That was too good of a market not to go in. But I don't know the Islanders. But I mean, happened. much later is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Much later. I don't. I don't think the Islanders get a team in '72. Good. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, actually, does expansion happen as fast? No. Um, you know, it, it, it's not going to happen the way it currently does where the current owners need money yeah. because I don't, think, I don't think the owners at that time would have – I mean, they would have had such a stranglehold on the players. You know, they still had a, a reserve-type clause. Um, you know, they weren't – they didn't have to compete in salary. I mean, look at what Gordie Howe was making his entire career. Um, it, it would have really slowed down the, the whole players association movement and uh, it would have depressed salaries uh, a lot longer than, than it did. Um, had there, had the WHA not existed, right? Uh, had it succeeded, it would have done the complete opposite. It, you know, salaries would have gone faster, right? You would have yeah. had teams competing in markets. You know, hey, Kelly. Competing for players. If WHA doesn't happen, does the, do the capital, does Washington get a team that quickly? Do they ever get a hockey team? Oh, I don't know if they, I don't know if they get a team. Um, <laughs> if the WHA doesn't happen, they might have won 
10 games in their <laughs> first season? Because at that point, the talent pool is so depleted because you've got guys going in the NHL and to the WHA. I mean, that Caps team is the yes. bottom of the absolute barrel, uh, you know, like talent-wise. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think with the Capitals, that was a brand-new building. So they probably wanted a tenant. Obviously, they got the bullets from Baltimore. So I, I think the NHL goes into the wash air market, but maybe it's not in 74. Maybe maybe it's years later, and maybe these are planned out a little bit better. Possibly not, but. I was going to say, I think, like, Atlanta eventually gets a team. I think they get the Thrashers, but I think it happens in, like, early 90s, right? I think Washington, I think Washington eventually gets a team because they'll follow suit with what Philly and New York and everybody around them does. I re- I do I really feel that way. I don't even know if it's until the late eighties. Yeah, no, that's that's I can see that, and the I can tell Islanders you Islanders don't get a team. I don't think the Islanders get a team, and I know one city that doesn't get a team, Hartford, and you don't have Brass Bonanza. <laughs> Good, fine. You know, you Hartford don't have people... only got a team because the Whalers were originally in Boston. Yeah, they're in Boston. But when the murder when uh, the murder happened, that. Boston said. No, you can't be here. Get out. <laughs> and so they went to the next biggest building in New England, which was the Hartford Civic Center. Do, do, uh, do you try to go out to Oakland? Do you even bother with Oakland at that point in the, in the 67 exp- in, in, the, in the expansion? No. Well, I mean, no. I think I, that you gotta you got to ask yourself, are you going to Los Angeles? Because if you don't go to – if you are going to Los Angeles, you have to go to Oakland. I think Los Angeles happens. Then I think Oakland would happen, too, because they needed okay. a partner. Right. I think. Do you think San Jose happens at the same time uh, when it does? Well, San Jose was uh, was because Cleveland and Minnesota merged, and then the owners said, hey, we'll give you the expansion team out in San Jose. I, man, that, that's a good question. Does, I mean, does Minnesota move to Dallas? I, well, see, that's the thing. What is the state of the NHL in the early 90s? Are people looking to move into the Sun Belt? I mean, because here's the thing. Does Gretzky wind up going to L.A.? Because if we don't have the WHA, does he still get drafted by Colorado? No, no. I, I think it completely – just like or the someplace first, else. It completely – I think it completely changes everybody's um, expectations of where you can put a team. That's why I'm saying Atlanta doesn't come in until the 90s. No, no. But they're I not even going to attempt – I can see Southern that. hockey. Because that's what the WHA was trying to do. They put, yeah. had a team in Miami. It didn't work. They had to move elsewhere. They they put a team in, in uh, they Birmingham. They put a team in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Cherry Hill. That was that was the team that was they wanted to put in on Long Island, and they had to stick at MSG. That, that schedule <laughs> right there, folks, that program, before it was the WHA team, when it was the minor league team for the Flyers, the, the original Jersey Devils, uh, they had – Kelly, is it two WHA teams? Uh, uh, there's a lot of hockey teams that go in and out of that arena. Yes. Um, well, the, EA, the Eastern Hockey League is yes, Eastern Hockey the, League the starting point. And then they, the Knights, right? Yeah. Half a season. Oh, it's bad. Year. It's so bad. <laughs> and, they, and they were the well, New York Raiders, and then they were the New York Golden Blades. Go ahead, Kel. Okay. Oh, no. Uh, the uh, it's, it's the Jersey It's the Jersey Devils and the – in the Eastern Hockey League, the the Knights is um, WHA. Is WHA? I think I'm just I th- I, I swear there's another. I there sh- is maybe I'm just the saying. Aces that 
Um, I forget if they, I forget if they even play, but they moved to Hampton. That's right. <laughs> I don't think they even played in Cherry Hill. I think they skipped. Yeah. Because we have a freshly unused Aces ticket stub, and oh, there's wow. no information on that team. Zero. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the, yeah, the NHL looks totally different. You might expand. Maybe you expand in some Canadian markets. Maybe you go into Seattle in '76. I, I think the Sabers still happen. Oh yeah, I think that yeah, the Sabres, Vancouver still happened in seventy. You probably expand in seventy four and maybe you still go into Washington. Kansas City, I don't know if that was to stop the WHA or if there was just a, a an ownership group that, you know, said, Hey, we're gonna try to make it work at the Kemper Arena, which was brand new. You know, the seventies you had a bunch of new buildings opening up that were looking for tenants. Yeah. Hockey and basketball. Some had NBA, some didn't. So <laughs> the arena in Cherry Hill was to try to keep it afloat. <laughs> it wasn't new. You know, Buffalo. That was an older arena, obviously the odd. Uh, but that, yeah, that made sense. But yeah, the the expansion looks a little different. Maybe some of those expansion teams don't happen until the 1980s. And who knows where they go to? I don't think they go to Winnipeg. I don't think they go to Quebec because I don't think Montreal really appreciated them. We playing. need to do. An episode, yeah. all of us together, where it's just what if, what if? Not a whole what if, but are we talking about franchises? Teams don't move. Teams don't move. Team, is there a way? No, I'm framing. I'm a off. Dodger fan. I is know. Is there that. a way to? Keep, <laughs> is there a way to keep teams where they were? For instance, what is there a possible way to keep Hartford and Harper? Is there? I know your answer, Paul. Shut up. Uh, is there a possible way to? Keep Minnesota in Minnesota at the time. That kind of episode. Like, research it. And sure, I saw, new owner. Yeah, yeah new <laughs> that was my answer. I saw, I, I saw Kelly coming, and I saw her unmute coming, and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, that that's terrible because was uh, I, I saw something. Somebody was wearing where the uh, were the Minnesota Wild wearing the old North Star colors. They have the North Stars. The reverse retro is yeah. the old uh, North Stars home. With I mean, that's the just wild such jersey. a great color. And it's so much better. It's so much better. I love that old N logo. They should adopt that logo. They don't have the N logo, though. They don't have the North Stars. I know, Star. I know, wild. but it'd be, it'd be great to adopt Hey, Kelly, how do you feel about that wild logo, or that wild uh, North Star jersey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All yeah. right. Refer back to our episode, our uh, Obey the Puck episode from July. 802. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. Sorry, I have a lot of planes in the background. Semi-event event. What if Pelly Lindbergh does not die? Oh, that was my question, yeah. It was your question, yes. What if Pelly Lindbergh does not die in 1985? What happens to the Philadelphia Flyers? And I'm just going to put it like this, and then we can discuss I think at least one of those years, they get one cup in between those dynasties. Pelly Lindbergh was too goddamn good. How old was he when he passed? Like 24? Oh, I have it here. 26. Hold on. 26. Porsche into a brick wall in Voorhees at uh, Somerdale. Uh, was he 26? Uh, 1959 to 85. Somebody do at math. 26, yeah. Okay, 26. Yeah, uh, for those who don't know, he died. Uh, we're not going to talk about the circumstances of the accident, but he died in a car accident in Somerdale, New Jersey. His Porsche hitting a brick wall, and it muffed up the Flyers organization for a long, long time. And I feel 
with those teams, especially they don't lose Montreal in that year. That uh, that the year Hextall tried to kill um, Chelios. Chelios. <laughs> good for me. Um, I think that they break up on Islanders, or I think they are absolutely have the ability to break up the Islanders or Oilers uh, dynasty. Well, At I least one. I think the, the Flyers at line. What, what year was that again? That eighty-five. He dies in eighty-five. Sorry, the Islanders was already over then. So oh, good. Edmonton, well, then they break. Then they break. Boston, Montreal. Then they're the ones teams. in between. <laughs> Pelly Lindbergh was prospected to. It's ironic because uh, uh, Paul, you're wearing that USA jersey. Uh, they actually went over uh, Pelly Lindbergh on their way to that win. Yeah, he <laughs> so played for the Swedish team yeah. in the Olympics. Uh, Pelly Lindbergh was. The guy, he was being trained by Bernie. Bernie was his coach, Bernie Perrant. I don't have to explain how good he was in his prime. Um, and everybody was calling it, not like domination, but it's like this this team's going to win a cup with him. Didn't they make the finals a couple of times in the late eighties? Yeah, eighty seven. But they do it without him. They never. Right. They ever, so yeah, but that's kind of my point. Was that with him? They, they get over the hump. Well, with like with said, him, they with him they at least one of those times. With him, they beat the Oilers. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, I'm waiting for your. I've been waiting you, for your answer. Well, they didn't beat them in '85. Are you talking about the '87 Oilers? That has to be yeah, because that's the team he would have been on. Yep. Where Hextile was the. I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say not, and just because. Because you're Dave and I'm Dan. <laughs> no, I I just well, stumbled I, over this. Um. Who won the Vezina in 1987? Uh, Hextall. Ron Hextall. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So, yeah, but Pelly Lindbergh was better is what I'm saying. <laughs> Pelly Lindbergh was better in every fundamental way. Well, what was that series like? I, I, uh, I'm, I'm telling you that's a different series. If not 87, it's uh, when do they go again? Oh, my memory's so cloudy right now. 97. Well, he's not still on in 97. No. Well, he might. Or if he, is, he's 40, he might yeah. be. Well, that game goes the, – the 87 Stanley Cup goes goes to game seven. It did go to game seven. No, no, but, yeah, no, it does go to game seven. No, I'm, had, I mean, Hextall had a great series. I'm absolutely – I'm absolutely almost 100% sure, and I know I'm going to get messages from my friends in Canada telling me I'm wrong, and uh, this is the preface. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, it did – no, that, that was a game seven. Yeah, I, I really that was feel a seven Penley, game, that was a seven game series in in '87. I, I really feel that Penny Lindbergh is the catalyst to that to at least one cup in Phil, in the '80s for Philly. It's hard uh-huh. to it's hard to say about '86 because '86 uh, yeah. that was Patrick Waugh's rookie year, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm more sure about '87 and just adding him into that roster than I am of '86. I'll say it like that. '86 well, are pretty good, 53 wins, and they. They lost to the Rangers. The I'm saying if nothing else changes and you just have Pelly in that spot, I think it's a good chance they win a game seven. Well, and then you also think when are a goalies generally, when are their best years? Late 20s, early 30s. So, you know, that could have changed a couple of things, maybe in the, if not against those Edmonton teams, maybe in the early 90s. Yeah, maybe in, maybe in 89. Yeah. 89, they lose the conference to Montreal. Then they don't make the playoffs from 90. You know who doesn't 94. score against uh, Pelly Lindbergh? Dale Hunter. 
No. I'm waiting for the response. 88. Hold on. Yeah, that's on him. <laughs> Have another donut, you fat pig. If you get scored that's on a Dale Hunter breakaway, you are a bad goalie. <laughs> Dale, I just what I love watching the Mets. At all respect uh, to Dale Hunter, except for that one time he got suspended because he's an a hole, a big a hole. Is that, that one time? That You're one time. Just the one. You time. know what I mean. But when Kelly and I watched that game, it's like you can see him. He's like a big friggin' diesel locomotive just coming at you like this, and Hextall just goes, Duh? and he's. It's like what? How? He's still coming a mile away. He's so slow. Is, is that when they blew a 3-1 lead against Washington? I think so. Yeah. It's a brutal game. It's brutal to watch because it's like they're chugging along, they're chugging along. It's like, oh, man, it's the Flyers again. Because then then you play the Devils, who were, uh, you know, one of those miracle teams that year, and you easily could have defeated them, but then, you you know, you had to play Boston after Can that. Can you imagine so. if Kelly Lindbergh doesn't die and then the early, in the mid-'90s you have Lindbergh and Brodeur? Going yeah, at it. I mean, those are those are things that I ever think about. Yeah. So yeah. then, what happens to Ron Hextall in this alternate reality? Well, he goes to Quebec. <laughs> He's somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to uh, uh, and stays there. He gets traded. I think Hextall's a backup. I think he stays in Philly well, for a little yeah. while. And does yeah. and because of that, do do they try to King's ransom to get Lindros? Later no. On? There you go. Nope. There you or go. if they've got Lindbergh two goalies not- like that, does that make it easier to trade for Lindros? Well, that's true. Because I was going with the angle if they if they hypothetically Kelly Lindbergh doesn't pass away, he stays on the team. They get a cup. Are you as thirsty to trade all that for Lindros? Do they have another cup in the nineties, or do they have none in the eighties and finally win one or two back to back in the nineties with Kelly Lindbergh alive? I do think it happens though. I'm almost one hundred percent certain. Mm. Yeah, these are excellent questions. Now, it's time for, and I only don't know this because Kelly probably told me and I forgot. In fact, I know she told me and I forgot. Kelly, you're what if in hockey? I think I told you. I think we've actually discussed it on Obey the Puck before. All right, never mind. It's over. I'm taking notes. (laughs) Well, actually, I I had two. One I, I realize is too big, but it totally fits in with what everybody's been talking about. Um, in general, but mine was more focused on um, what happens if the major expansion in minor pro hockey in the mid-90s isn't a pretty much a abject failure, <laughs> um, where the, the IHL and the AHL and the ECHL like almost double their, their team rosters and, and just put teams everywhere and kind of see what sticks. Um, I've always, I've always wanted to talk about that, especially if people have a little bit more knowledge of stadiums and that kind of thing. But I think that's a little bit too much. There's a lot to go into there, so I didn't um, didn't want to do that this time, maybe in the future. On our six-part episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I'll ramble on about that for a long time. Um, so mine is pretty simple, and it's uh, it's about players. Uh, and it's, I think, a totally positive thing. <laughs> um so, what if um, Pittsburgh and Washington in 2004, uh, they have the same picks. Washington picks first, Pittsburgh picks second. However, Washington picks Malkin first, and Ovechkin goes to second. 
and then the following year, Pittsburgh has the number one pick and picks Sidney Crosby. So we would have Ovechkin and Crosby having their rookie year together and playing together ever since then. I'd just uh, like to think about that. I would have never watched hockey again after they came, <laughs> kicked our tail every single time we played them, and I'd give up. I, 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 I frame this as, and you think you hate Pittsburgh now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think uh, Ovechkin does catch Gretzky. I think he already would have. <laughs> he's, he's, already, he's already looking and, at him in the rear view. Yeah, and <laughs> Hello. He, the, the assist totals Crosby would put up, the scoring totals, he would rival Gretzky's records as well, I think. I, yeah, I think they both have really good shots at eventually uh, getting, getting Gretzky. Remember that Canada Cup where Lemieux and Gretzky played on the same line? Just did whatever they wanted? Yeah, I think that's what you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, we've only had the, the chance to see it in, in a couple yeah. of all, all-star games because they changed that format early enough um, in, in their careers. It's been every wacky thing in the world instead of just East versus West for a while now. But when they like got World the play, versus North America? Yeah, I, they've done all the stupid <laughs> stuff. I, I don't like any of it. But when when we did get to see it, that was, that was so much fun, just watching those two play together and imagine them getting to play together and really develop a chemistry. I, yeah, I, I think the bigger question is that how quick does it take them to do this stuff without using any words and just communicating with their minds? <laughs> they just become uh, uh, tele- uh, a telepathic link. Yeah. Or, or does Pittsburgh not – are they not able to afford both of them, and do they have to get rid of one of them? Yeah, but for those first four years. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'll, I'll just say it right now. They have like – they'll add two more cups, and I'll be two more times annoyed. <laughs> They just have a team with those two guys and whatever other eighteen yeah. guys. It's Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, and Bill. <laughs> <laughs> the, the local high school team will be backing them up this evening against. <laughs> well, what about if they they don't need them? Trust me, it's fine. And Washington's misery continues. Yeah. <laughs> they moved screwed Houston. up another number one pick. <laughs> I'll tell you this: Washington eventually moves to Houston. <laughs> I, I think at some point the, the fans burn the building down. Um, but that was an actual discussion um, when when Ovechkin's year was up because it was him and Malkin. Um, there was discussion of who who was the better who was the better pick who should who should be number one. Um, I don't know Malkin that well. I like Malkin quite a bit um, in in some regards, but I don't see him as a as a uh, face of the franchise. Certainly nothing like Ovechkin personality-wise, from what I know. So, uh, did not didn't somebody try to draft Ovechkin the year before? Yes. And uh, was it like I want to say like Florida or something? They tried I to draft him the yeah, year I before in like Florida. the sixth round or something. Or yes. They tried to pull a fast one and it didn't. It didn't quite. Wait, what do you mean they tried? Well, to pull, well, I've never heard this. What's what's this? Yeah, what's the story, Kelly? Uh, or Dave, whoever knows. No, go ahead, Kelly. I don't know the the details of it because he was playing in the I don't know was it the KHL at that point or whatever the, whatever the Russian league was they they held his rights up uh, for a couple he, years to, to whatever the he Russian was playing for the Moscow Dynamo the Dynamo yeah well that, that's how the Celtics that's how the Celtics got Burr they drafted him the year before he graduated 
Oh, okay. Here we go. Well, because at the time, you could draft yeah, the guy the if they're a freshman class. Because he was supposed to go to IU, but he yeah. went to ISU. So, yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah, year of eligibility. And they uh, he was – so Ovechkin was so highly regarded that the Florida Panthers attempted to draft him in 2003 in the ninth round, even though his birthday was two days after the cutoff. <laughs> So he wasn't old enough yet. Oh, he missed him by two days. Oh. And, two days? Uh, no, he would have gone. Go ahead, he wouldn't have lasted, though, until the ninth round. If oh, so Rick Dudley, who was the general manager of the Panthers, claimed the pick was legitimate, claiming that Ovechkin was old enough with leap years taken into consideration. What? <laughs> 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 oh, no, no. That's not yeah. how leap years work. What kind of red hat logic is that? I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> All he had to do was convince the right person. <laughs> Gary Bettman was like, you know what? That's fair. It works. <laughs> well, so I, the year the year Ovechkin. So uh, help me follow this here. So he was drafted in '04. Yep. But didn't play right away. Uh, lockout year. He lost a year. Oh, right. half. Well, he's lost almost two years now with all this fun. <laughs> he lost his he lost his true rookie year when he would have been a year younger and no one would have had any idea what was hitting them. I mean, we saw what he did in his rookie year. <laughs> he scored a goal using the force, Kelly. <laughs> um. So let's talk about the fundamentals. Is Washington even in the league anymore if they don't draft a Veskin, Kelly? What do you think happens? Well, yeah, we turn all these what-ifs into franchise things. Yeah, yeah I like pretty it. much. I, it is. I mean, it's very it's very true in, in Ovechkin's case. Um, Save the franchise, I don't know. But, I mean, he definitely revitalized uh, the, the franchise. You have to remember uh, Ovechkin getting, getting drafted is two years after Yager leaves town and that huge experiment just – went nowhere for the Caps, was a mess, um, and they they rightfully pretty quickly decided to blow it all up, which is why they they were even in the running for the first pick, because they were absolutely garbage uh, those two years. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he came to town, and all of a sudden, uh, they were selling a lot more tickets. Everyone wanted wanted to see this kid, and, and he did not disappoint. In, in the slightest. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't know. Malkin just doesn't isn't that type of player. He's a great player. He's just not that electrifying kind of kind of player. And obviously, he puts up points. He's really. I think he's. I I see him as a much better all around player. Yeah. Um, but I again, just not not the face of a franchise uh, kind of guy. So yeah, I don't know if Ovechkin doesn't come to town. I think you there. The Caps continue on. Um, they're kind of what Nashville is now. That well, I know they're they're not doing so good this year, but just kind of that perennial. They're in the playoffs, but we know they're never going to win. Like they're good enough to make the playoffs, but they just don't have that extra something to kind of break through. I mean, technically, without Ovi, you don't have a cup. Yeah. Well, that's a what if. That's that's part that counts. I, that part I of the feel that I, mean. I feel that Washington had a, a tough time um, business-wise after the lockout. It took a while for the the fans to come back to the stands. Uh, like I don't think the Capitals disappear. Um, they're already they're already in their 
in their new building slash current building. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, I was there just after. I mean, I, I went to a game uh, in Washington, and I still remember, you know, thank you fans on uh, on the blue line, yeah. which was right after the strike, and there was nobody there. Like I had a section to myself. <laughs> Oh wow! Only one. See, that is, that's an improvement. <laughs> well, that's because I, my cousin who was with me, I sent him over to the next section. The 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 post younger pre OV teams were nothing. They trust me. I went to a lot of those games. So those those teams were just it was a slog. How damaged did Yager leave the Capitals when I first I moved down here the year? that Yager joined Philadelphia, came back to the NHL, right? And we went to a Nats-Phillies game, and everybody I saw who acknowledged I had a Philly shirt on said, yeah, good luck with Yager, every single one of them. And I understand that kind of trauma, air, air quotes, uh, when a player does that to you. Is it, is it Yager's fault? No, it's not really his fault what Washington tried to do with him. Yeah, that was a. It was totally a the kind of the, the wrong piece in in the puzzle. The the Caps brought him in, expecting him to be the the captain, the leader, not only you know in points and stuff like that, to, but to be the captain and lead the team and set the example. And Yager just isn't or wasn't at that point. Um, that he just wasn't that that guy. He certainly could put the points up and stuff like that, but. He just wasn't going to be the kind of rally the rally the troops and and do this and that. It, it seems like he became that because he's they sing his praises in Philly. Um, where the team he was a that, different team when he was working with. Uh, he filled that role in there great. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was different too. He wasn't expected to be the man in Philly. He was he was going to be a, a a player and a mentor kind of role. Yeah, if if you are a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> then you would say that if if the Capitals draft Malkin first and the Penguins draft Ovechkin, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you say that the Penguins probably don't get the chance to draft Sidney Crosby. Because if I mean, you're a conspiracy theorist, oh, you, would okay, say that, yep. you would say that uh, they were doing, they were doing Mario Lemieux a big favor, getting uh, uh, allowing Sidney Crosby there, if go. you're a conspiracy theorist. But <laughs> I'm not. Oh, see, I thought you were going because I will discuss the conspiracy theory that still has legs in Washington that Pittsburgh traded us Yager knowing <laughs> it was a Trojan horse. <laughs> I, I knew uh, several Penguins fans when when Yager was coming to town because I was excited because they were going to they were I was excited because the Cavs were trying something, which really was kind of the first time that they had ever done that during at least my my fandom. Um, and and I knew a lot of Pittsburgh fans that were just kind of like, mm-hmm, you enjoy that. <laughs> I didn't know what they were talking about exactly, but I learned you pretty found quickly. Out. Yeah. See, here's a, there's a what if for you. What if the Army Yawker just paid his taxes when he was supposed to? <laughs> he would have retired like eons ago. <laughs> oh, I'm not touching that one with it. I mean. Wasn't he, didn't he have, he had a gambling it has a gambling problem, right? Wasn't that part of it? Uh, I don't know about that. I'm not saying it's not, but I am saying that he just <laughs> did base taxes. <laughs> and he had to keep playing. 
But you know, it's funny. It's funny. Playing, right? Yeah. Yeah, he is playing in some league. Yeah. But it's funny. You you know, such a bad experience in Washington. Like when he was in Florida for what a year, a year and a half in in his what third comeback or whatever. They loved him. They thought yeah. he was the greatest thing ever. Dave, it was the same in Philly. Yeah, because he has that get right. He goes. Washington gets rid of him, and he goes to New York to the Rangers, I think. Yes. And then, at the, and then maybe a year or two into that is when he he stops and goes he stops and goes home for a while. Mm-hmm. And then he then he comes back on that kind of he comes back. On, I call it the mentor tour. He was like that. For, he would play a year for Guys, these different teams. I can still see the room. That's when I lived in my parents. I lived in my dad's basement. 2012, I'm sitting there on a day off, I'm at the computer, and my phone buzzes from a flyers alert. I'm like, what's happening? It was just a weird day for anything to be happening in flyers land. The text says, Philadelphia Flyers sign veteran Yarmir Yager to a one-year something-something deal, and the room telescoped around me. <laughs> Because this is the guy that was the thorn in the side of Philadelphia Flyers being on the Penguins when they were winning those cups and he just kicking the crap score-wise out of us. It was like, it's like, and obviously not at the same level like that, but it's like Gretzky's going somewhere else. When you say his name, you picture him in an Oilers jersey. When I say Yager's name, I still see him in a Penguins jersey. But there he was, scoring goals in Pittsburgh while they were flipping him off and him doing the salute in a Flyers uniform, and I still can't believe that happened. He elevated that team. That team was unreal that year, considering they had Brzezgov and that. It, it was completely opposite to what the last time you saw him in the NHL. And what he did in Washington, or what he did to Washington, and uh, I don't think he was ever a factor in New York. I think he was just there. I don't remember. Yeah, he, he did a, he did a ton in Boston for that playoff run. Yeah, he did. Uh, in New in New Jersey, I remember yeah, he made he wasn't one goal off his rear end. Yeah, well, that Kelly swears that his uh, half of his talent is in his ass. It is. It's the Yager butt. No one can get him off of the puck if the butt is in the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he did have 27 goals in Florida last year. So yeah. Yager wasn't the guy that, like, 66 points, not bad for a 43-year-old guy. I scored three goals, I should retire. He was still scoring double digits. Sure. It's like, oh, well. <laughs> and even New Jersey, 24 goals in 82 games for a 41-year-old. Oh, when he scored against Penguin, the Penguins in Pittsburgh in a Flyers jersey, <laughs> I was just like, yes. And, and he spawned the greatest traveling group of fans yes, ever. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. The traveling Yoggers were awesome. I still like the look on their faces when he crawl, he creeps up behind them in that photo op. And the one dude's just like, is that? I don't know what to do. That's a good what if, Kelly, and I do remember you telling me that and then forgetting. Yeah, he's yeah. Well, I think that's it. I think that's it. We should. I really do want to um, do an episode on um, 
keeping like the mid '80s, late '80s NHL the way it is. Is there a way to keep these teams where they are? Or up to the mid, I guess the mid '90s would be a big, huge change. So, is there a way to keep these teams where they are? Peter Poppington. And, and this Mike and Adams and Norris. Yes, and the, and and Patrick the Wales Conference. And, Isn't uh, that sponsored by GMC? Yeah. Hmm. Have you ever looked back at those standings and seen the divisional alignments? Yeah. Like, it, like uh, the Adams division was Boston, Buffalo, Toronto, which, okay, those three make sense, and California. Oh, yeah, the original ones, yeah. I don't ever remember Toronto in the Adams. Yeah, it's like late seventies. Yep. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but Toronto was in the Adams. I remember I'm not saying it in, didn't happen. I'm not well, saying the NBA had weird. I mean, well, I mean, Dallas is in the NFC East still or North. <laughs> yeah, That's I think right. a lot of those teams had some weird ones. Yeah, because Vancouver was Vancouver, Kansas City, Chicago, or the Smythe. North had Washington and the Kings and Pittsburgh and Montreal. Yeah. This is 1975. And then. Uh, the Adams had Buffalo, Boston, Toronto, and the Golden Seals of California. That's what I just said. Yeah. He just who, said that. Who came well, up with this? Yeah. How many how many division titles did the uh, Atlanta Braves win in the National League West? Yeah. They won one. No, how two. Many, how many, st- how many no. Stanley Cups did the uh, Flyers win in the West? Both. <laughs> hey, you can't you can't beat the uh, the first year of expansion. We got six new teams coming in. Put them all in the same division. Yeah, yeah. West. O- old teams here, new teams here. Well, yeah, I think I think the reason the Braves are in the West is because Chicago and St. Louis wanted to be in the same. Yeah, it's all about rivalries. Yeah, about about the rivals, same division. But you know, it, it's uh, have we have we had a, a rivalry in the NHL since you know I don't know since the Red Wings and Avalanche, maybe maybe Pittsburgh and. Washington, maybe, but uh, like they, okay. they they just play each other too often. Or will you get it one get one like that again? The way oh, the game is played. Geez. I, I would love for them to to do something kind of radical so that we're not forced with a, a West versus East final. I mean, how how awesome would it be to see Montreal against Boston in the final? That would be awesome. You know, I was going to say it could happen this year. That's this true. Year it could happen the, this year. It's the one, it's the one time it could happen. Yeah. Or, uh, or you know, in 93, everybody would, around here was so excited because not only were the Leafs close to the Stanley Cup, they could have played Montreal in the Stanley yeah. Cup. I would have been amazing. And then, then both of them lost in the semifinals, right? No, Montreal won the Cup that year. Yeah, the last Cup they won. Yeah, yeah. they beat the Islanders. They, the, <laughs> the Leafs lost to the L.A. Kings on a Wayne Gretzky high stick to Doug Gilmore, which should have been a major penalty and a suspension. What if they called that penalty? What if they called that penalty? Well, we should do a second one of Sunday <laughs> Toronto would still be looking for their first one. <laughs> Probably. Let's do another what if. But heck, every, there would have been a generation of Toronto fans that would have said, hey, we remember what it was like to be in the Stanley Cup. Um, yeah. What if there's no car accident that um, rallies the Detroit Red Wings? Oh, they didn't yeah. really need to be rallied. Oh, no? Just... Is that going to happen anyway? Great. <laughs> well, yeah. What if Lindros is traded to the Rangers and not Philadelphia? He was traded to the Rangers. Oh, oh, here's later. A, here's yeah. a great one for you. What if John Spano does not relinquish control of the Islanders? 
He gets shot in the head. For <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> he gets murdered for being a shyster. You know what my favorite part about that is? Is It's in the 30 for 30 on ESPN, Kelly. Who the hell was in charge? It's a name. He was in charge of the Dallas Stars at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't tell them. He doesn't tell them. He doesn't tell them. It's right there. The guy was, like, dealing with Spanos. He's like, this guy is full of crap. I'm not doing business. That 30 for 30 was awesome, yeah. And he didn't tell them. His name came up, and the guy didn't tell him on purpose. He's like, oh, I'm going to. Hey, gosh, you might want to check that, dude. Like, none of that. (laughs) He just let it happen. I'm not saying anything, but uh, look over here. Yeah, yeah. You know, (laughs) hey, uh, that guy you're doing business with, he's no good. You hear what I'm saying? He's no good. (laughs) Click. Like Hannibal, Kel. They know. Just run out. Just runs out. Oh, Spanos, Spanos, you idiot. Well, I mean, that means, wait, with, <laughs> does Mike Milbury open, uh, enter the picture without Spanos? He's already there. He was already there. Do they kick him out quicker then? <laughs> oh, no. At Maybe. that point, they make him, uh, he owns the team. <laughs> <laughs> Great. There's a what if. Put Mike in charge. He's brilliant. <sighs> What if the Philadelphia Quakers had a winning record that year in 19-something, whatever? Let me see. I got my notes here. <laughs> oh, was that in there? <laughs> got 19... 1930-31. Do you really have that written down? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I was thinking, like, what if the NHL didn't had more than six teams for between, you know, when the Montreal Maroons left? Or when the New New York Americans left up until '67, what if they went back into Ottawa or Cleveland or Pittsburgh again or Philly? Yeah, what would that look like? I mean, six Providence, teams? yeah, even even Providence could have supported a team. Hershey. I have a. What if, the, what if the myth of the original six didn't exist? No, there's not no. an original six. Well, the original four were like Ottawa, the Wanderers. Well, really the, like the original three. The original 17 or something, right? Montreal Wanderers uh, arena burnt down after a couple of days. Oh, is that what happened? What if yeah. the NHL wasn't a mob? Uh, was it the mob? <laughs> what if the Montreal Maroons were still playing? Well, I don't think Montreal could support well, Canadian so. mob. They're very Canadian mob, excuse me. <laughs> that's a, that's a nice uh, that's a nice Guy Lafleur you have there. We're Dave, gonna buy your league. <laughs> we have Dave. We have the CBC, a people's history of hockey, right? Great documentary on DVD. I love it. But the way I'm not criticizing. I don't mean this in a negative way. I laugh in a like in a funny way where they just go. They very matter of factly name these things that was obviously perpetrated by some of the people running the NHL, but they don't mention that part of it. And I'm like, wait, hold on a second. We're just glossing over that, man. Well, when you when you when you rifle through, you know, the, you you talk about the original six, and and in many cases, it was the original six owners, yeah. right? Yeah. And and oh my gosh, some of those guys. Oh my, God. they're mob, they're they're hoods, man. Well, they're, look at the look at the Leafs. Now, you know, Con Smythe, once his kid got involved, and and his kid's buddy, you know. Oh. Like they both, well, yeah. Stafford Smythe was going to go to prison, but he kind of died first. Harold Ballard did go to prison. Like, 
they just took money and and did whatever, right? They they were making so much money and they were living high off the hog. They had apartments for, you know, hooking up with women and and yeah. They, it was it was, was it was a sports mafia. It really was. It was a I guess the word would it would be a mafia. It was a Costanosa. Oh, totally. And and they they squeezed out Con Smythe and they squeezed out John Bassett. And you know, even in the eighties when Ballard died, it was a big schmatz when Steve Stavro took over his his. Yeah, uh, didn't, didn't they have like a lot of pedoph- pedophilia going on there? Uh, there was there was some of that going on in, in the background. There were um, some ushers who were. Um, you know, offering boys tickets for whatever. Yeah. It was pretty nasty. I, and I, I don't think, I don't, you know, Ken Dryden's tenure with the Maple Leafs is often forgotten. But uh, you have to give him a lot of credit because he came in when that whole story came out. And he had to deal with the ramifications of that. And, yeah. and I thought he did. I thought he dealt with it very professionally and, you know, he at, at no point in time did he say, "Well, listen, this wasn't us, and you know, this wasn't me." And that he was just handled. It. That was the old guys. You know, he he really took care of it. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a nasty, nasty situation. Just like I, just like those owners, they didn't want to pay pay their stars anything, like uh, Gordy Howe. Oh yeah, and Gordy Howe's like, okay, I'll accept what you give me. He never fought for anything more. Uh, there, well, there's and, a good TV movie. And uh, who did who did they have in the back of their pocket? Those owners, they had Eagleson, right? Like they they had the head of the union. That was in, one of my what ifs. What in if, their pocket. What if Russ Conway never started that investigation on Eagleson? Yeah. Did Eagleson has such a punchable face. <laughs> Just I hear that name. Even now I, he's like eighty-seven. Uh, yeah. You know, I punch it. Uh, uh, for legal reasons, I'm kidding. Oh, just just what a piece of crap! I'll tell you what, CBC kind of eviscerates that guy in that documentary. They're just like, this guy was a dirt ball, and this is the things he did, and and then they took him out of the Hall of Fame. And there's a shot of them unscrewing his stuff and taking it out. And I asked them. I, I went in at the Hall of Fame once, and I said, "Where was Alan Eagleston's plaque?" <laughs> he gave me a dirty, dirty look. <laughs> get out! Hey, you get out, eh? Um. Uh. Oh man, I had a follow up. Net worth. I'm sorry. Net worth is the name of this really great Canadian movie. Right. Uh, Just tells you how cheap the owners were, and it was like, no, we're not giving it to you. And if you try to form a union, well, we had all these uneducated farm boys from the prairies of Canada. Yeah. Sounds like Vince McMahon. Don't form a union. (laughs) It's the story of every sports league. Exactly. It's eight men out. Yeah. Without the Black Sox. When I tell people the original story of the Stanley Cup and how it wasn't an NHL trophy exclusively. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Their eyes go, what? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Anybody (laughs) could say, hey. Well, I want to change the NHL. I mean, yeah. 1893. But what I'm saying is, is there was a point, and and this is just what the CBC told me, where um, and books I've read, where a team could say, "I want to challenge for that." Yeah, that was it. You, no, screw you. Uh, you're not in our league. You you played the games. You challenged for the cup. 
That's his yeah. after your six month journey on the rail, railroad yeah, yeah, across yeah. the country. Hey, buddy, I'll see you in about six weeks. But but look at the look at the difference between you know baseball and and hockey, right? Marvin Miller as the first uh, players association president or whatever, who fought and fought and fought and fought and fought and fought. Um, you know, it took forever to get rid of the reserve clause. It took Charlie Finley to, to screw up paying Catfish Hunter and, and all that kind of stuff, to who was the first president of the Hockey Players Association? Well, it was Alan Eagleson. And, you know, he was, he was, pocketing, he was pocketing insurance money, right, from that or players who were supposed to be getting. He to pay out insurance claims, yeah. Yeah, it was he – he, and he was also the head of Hockey Canada. So he was taking board advertisements for Canada Cups and putting it in his own pocket. It was like, oh, yeah, no. And, and his thing was he would always tell the, the players, well, we're going to put money into the pension. It's going into the pension. It's going into the pension, right? Until some people, <laughs> like Russ Conway and, and Carl Brewer and guys like that, and they, and they looked in the pension and they went, wait a second, this is not adding up. But, you know, is, is there anyone other than Bobby Orr who's like the linchpin to the whole thing? Because it's Bobby Orr who, who was the staunch defender of Eagleson forever until he figures out that Eagleson had, had totally hosed him. Yeah, I have no money. <laughs> uh, yeah, and on that deal to go to Chicago, right, which he wasn't told about, um, and then Eagles, and then and all Orr, the other owners knew it. Yeah, and Orr nobody said a word. Distances himself from Eagleson to begin with, and then when he gets involved, then the house of cards really falls apart. It's almost as if they needed some new people into the the whole mix of things. <laughs> Well, yeah. um, I'm, I'm crazy. Those, those outsiders don't understand hockey. <laughs> they can't understand our beautiful game. They'll ruin it. <laughs> well, and, and like Carl Brewer was an outcast because he tried to stand up to Eagleson, you know. Of course. And and basically, you know, the uh, Ballard was Ballard, Ballard or Smythe, one of them. They like they got rid of him. He was. He was out. He played for the Olympic team when he was like 28, after his NHL career. It was, it was crazy. As we're talking about this, I just see a tweet that says, "I'm not sure Ottawa and Montreal should be allowed to play each other anymore." <laughs> All right. Uh, I can't wait till the season's over. It's such a, it's so mentally taxing. So much going on. Thank God the AHL is playing. Very laid back. And 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 before I forget, I wanted to mention this weekend uh, begins the uh, player uh, professional women's hockey player association tour this weekend, and it will air on the NHL Network and on Sportsnet in Canada, and it's going to be Minnesota versus New, Ham- uh, New Hampshire. No. New Ham- what are the teams? Uh, Minnesota and NH. I guess yep. I should have researched that before I posted this. <laughs> My point is, is we covered on this show uh, how badly, I'm just going to say how badly, 
Uh, no, the podcast has not ended yet. Uh, <laughs> how badly the NWHL has uh, ended this year. And, like, uh, very opportunistically, here comes the – and it was planned already. It's just the timing is beautiful. The Professional Women's uh, Hockey Player Association is putting on their tour, which was very successful the first time. And I know, you know, attendance is not going to be a factor this year. Uh, but it's going to be – it's going to make a sketchy landscape even more – even a little more sketchier. But I'm going to be there to watch all of it. With that being said, since the podcast hasn't ended yet, let's end it before we do another 18 what if. Dave, where can people follow you? At Profan9 on Twitter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just realized what time it was. I was like, wow, okay. Uh, Mark, you follow how? Uh, Ballpark Hunter at Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You. Check out my latest videos on YouTube at Ballpark Hunter. Mr. Baker, the basketball announcer, how? Follow you. What if? <laughs> what if? What if I wasn't on Twitter at PuckmanRI? What if Kelly isn't on Twitter anymore? What if Kelly stayed on Twitter? Uh, it would end the same. She'd leave. Uh, so follow me the Puck Out of Way Puck Show. Follow me on Twitter and all social media platforms and on YouTube and on Twitch at DanWall83. VOC Nation. Radio Network is where we are being aired. You can find at VOCNation.com or if you prefer on your smartphone. Or on your spot on your podcast app, or or on your Spotify app. I'll get it one day. Type in VOC Nation Radio Network and listen there. Please don't skip the ad. <laughs> Please don't skip those very weird, weirdly placed, nonsensical ads in the sports show. For Kelly Levy, Paul Baker, Dave Cotney, and Mark Viquez, I am the above average comedian Dan Palachico. We will see you next week for Stadium Journey. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. Rock and Roll Union and North Step Productions, in conjunction with Blu ray Atlantic City, proudly present Jersey Shore Jam 2, May 15th, featuring As We Become Ghosts and Rat Rod. It's been a long, cold winter, and now it's time to rock. Also appearing, the Rock and Roll Union house band Shades of Grey, playing all of your favorites from the 60s to now. All COVID regulations will be in place. Tickets are available at eventbrite.com and are extremely limited, so get them before they run out. Doors open at 6 and showtime is at 7. Rat Rod, As We Become Ghosts, and Shades of Grey. Jersey Shore Jam 2, May 15th at Blu-ray, 201 South New York Avenue, Atlantic City. Did I mention there's free parking? Don't miss it. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists, and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. Since 2012, HIC Talk Radio has been bringing you the best of independent wrestling and wrestling on the worldwide scale with interviews and other segments now featuring the wrestling historian with Craig Legon. 
every Thursday night at 6 p.m. at VOCNation.com or go to your Android or iPhone and type in VOC Nation Radio Network and subscribe to the greatest wrestling podcast network in the world. Listen to HIAC Wrestling Podcast today. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the host and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. Hola, this is your amiga, Shelly from Cali. To let you know, you can catch me here on VOC Nation for Shelly Live. You never know what the hell I'm going to be talking about. Sometimes I have guests. Sometimes I let you on in the cheesemith, spill a little tea. Sometimes I cry. You have to tune in to find out why. And I also take your calls. I love chatting with you guys and seeing what the hell you guys are thinking. So meet me here on the VOC Nation. Be there or be square. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.